Hey, everybody. Welcome to another glorious episode of Jeff Has Cool Friends. I'm Jeff May, and I didn't know if you knew this, but I have cool friends. Uh, I have uh, a very, very great guest coming here. One of my favorite super cool friends, uh, actor, writer, puppeteer, Morgana Ignis. Morgana, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here and to not uh, awkwardly discover that I am not, in fact, one of your cool friends. Wouldn't that be rough? I have people that are like, I'm your cool friend. I'm like, you sure are. This is a bi-weekly show. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> the problem is you, you cultivated too many cool friends. You should actually, I mean, you need to bring some mediocre, kind of awkward dorks to your lineup. I got to be honest. Uh, most of my cool friends are awkward dorks. So that works We're well the, for me. We are, we are the coolest ones. You know, we weren't and now we are. And that's that's fun. What, yeah. a, what a weird, what a weird topsy-turvy world we live in. Where yeah, I think ner nerd is the now now the new cool and old cool is now your new ass. So it's it works. Kinda, kinda. People keep people mistake me sometimes for the old version and they're like, so you're an ass. And I'm like, no, I like Star Wars. And they're like, everyone likes Star Wars. Shut the f up. Um You're you are you are ours. We have we have claimed you as as one of if you, one of our own. It, I, I was one of I was one of yours before you were even born. <laughs> I hate to say that. I don't know if you're making me feel way too young or making yourself feel way too old with that statement. I'm a lot older than people realize, I think. You were telling me about He-Man toys today, and it's like, I'm not a huge fan because I wasn't alive yet. True, yeah. The, the, Masters, so. the Masters line finished, uh, I believe it wrapped up in 1987, and I believe you were born in 1989. That is correct. So, uh, And I was born in 1981. I am on the cusp of 40. Uh, which is uh, both fascinating and terrifying. This is you are, you are what the uh, extremely cruel youth are referring to as a geriatric millennial. I don't know why they added that name because they already <laughs> called us elder millennials. And then they're like, no, 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 no. We got a new one. Geriatric millennials. And I'm like, well, that explains why my knees hurt. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's wrong. I'm going to say it's rude, but I'm not going to say it's not without merit. I don't think you can call it. I mean, it's only not wrong because you can call us anything as long as it means the old version of what was at one point in time considered young. Exactly. Um, I'm talking I'm talking with so many um, so many like younger fans now who I'm like talking to and I go to their profile and see what their age is. And I'm like, I have I have actually gotten to the point in which my fans are literally less than half my age. Yep. Um, speaking of which, my, uh, my niece and nephew, both, uh, when I told them I was recording with you and I said, uh, one of the names of one of your characters from one of the shows, they were like, shut up, shut up. And I was like, that okay. is the coolest thing ever. I, I can't even tell you how cool it is that that is spread enough for them to get excited about it. I, I cultivated as much as I could nerddom, uh, back in the day. With them, uh, I uh, my niece Carly. I used to get only Spider-Man stuff. I would get her uh, Spider-Man stuff till the end of the earth. I would just I'd be like, "This is what you're gonna be," because Uncle Jeff thinks you <laughs> should be. And they're they're both little anime dorks at this point in time. And so uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting too much about my story. I want to talk about you uh, real quick because we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into my niece and nephew and, and what they love about the work that you have done. Um, but I'm gonna go through real quick a couple of pieces of information about you and, and what it really comes down to. And this is really fun: is your IMDb 
profile describes you better than I have ever known. So I'm going to explain this. Morgana Ignis is an American screen and stage actress best known for playing dark, eccentric, and visually transformative characters in the comedy, science fiction, horror, and fantasy genres. She is often noted for her tall, slender body type and versatile physicality. Ignis was a regular guest star in the IFC series Stand Against Evil, playing multiple featured demons, performed as Edgar the Werewolf in The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell, puppeteers the alien talk show host Ned in the Disney Plus series Earth to Ned, and can be heard voicing a variety of characters on Hell of a Boss. Now, one of the things, uh, do you prefer uh, actress as the as the title? Because I thought I always thought we were trying to get rid of that word. I mean, once we're ready to get rid of it, I will. I will get rid of it gladly as well okay. when everyone else goes with that. But right now, I've 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 segued myself into that arena now, and I'm very happy with that title. I think it. I think it makes sense, uh, and I think I, I'm not sure. I, I didn't bring it up yet, uh, but we will say that you are trans, and so actress. I think does certainly lend that pe- so that people know what the f- is going on. That you are absolutely a woman. I get it is, that. It is one of the it is one of the good questions to ask of like you know concerning me of what the f- is going. On? <laughs> well, it's what funny the because f- what the f- is this this demon playing gender thing? It, it's well, well, it's funny too because because I know like one of the things is I know that all of the uh, female actors, uh, not you included, uh, want to get rid of the word actress, uh, and so when I I said your uh, thing, I said actor, and now I'm like, oh wait, does that seem like I might be misgendering? Uh, these are the things I think about because my brain is a prison. Well, I mean, again, actor and act, you know, actor does work gender neutral in the same way mm-hmm. that, you know, a female carpenter is not called a carpentress. Exactly. Even though that's a pretty badass name for one, but, you know, you don't necessarily split up other jobs based on whatever the gender presentation identity of the person is. But... Agree. Agree. That's like calling someone a comedian because it's a, it's a, she's a, a female comic. And I'm like, that's the most pandering dog shit title i could possibly think of or i guess what well, would be worse is, that's, or is that's woman than... woman comic or, or female comic well yeah i mean that's i guess uh creating an entirely different name is uh one step towards you know actually you know going out of their way to hire more female comics at your things you know it's like oh well we gave you the special name it's like you could you know hire hire female comics and like pay them i'm trying to find a way to make this non-virtue signally but i am not i'm no longer going to be doing comedy shows that only have one woman on the on the booking list good i'm just not going to do it like unless i wait real quick unless it's like three people on the show unless it's the 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 you know headliner feature host and i would prefer one of them to be a woman but yeah, I'm not I, like a token sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah. can't. But I can't put that level of expectation of being like, it has to be 66 percent. Like book what you can. I prefer a woman on the show. But if it's like one of these shows where there's like six or eight people and it's like all dudes, I'm like, I'm just not going to do this show. You don't need another me. Book me on book me in a time when you're going to have more women on the show. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you, you stick by that until it's weird when that's not a thing. It's it's, it's just like when everyone feels it's just like, yeah, this is kind of weird, you know? Stand up for me has become a situation in which it's no longer the way I identify my career because of my success in podcasting. Like my comedy career is primarily through this as opposed to doing just stand up, which I still do. But that means that I, I I don't have to be as desperate for spots. 
uh, and just take whatever is offered to me anymore. Well, it's it's also good to just be looser in like what specific medium you end up working in because the medium matters significantly less than whatever your sort of personal style, energy, and brand is, which can be applied to so many different things. Yep. You know, I've I've described myself as um, comedy adjacent for years <laughs> because I'm usually in I'm 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 been in more things that fall under the comedy genre realm than almost anything else but i'm usually the the non-comedy thing within comedy the straight entity uh yeah the straight I, entity I or, or as straight ironically as creature or demon yeah. or monster or something like that is within this environment yeah but, the foil um, the foil i guess would be the the uh good version of that the thing of in which to be funny against yeah um but but the thing you know the thing that i've I've kind of, you know, because people are like, oh, are you a puppeteer? Are you an actress? Are you a voice actress? Like, you know, all this stuff. I'm just like, yes, I'm an actress. <laughs> and and it's like, as far as that goes, that can be split into so many different places. It's not about what I'm doing it through, like whether or not I'm just using my voice or whether or not I'm just using body performance or whatever. It's like, it's all the same sort of thing. It's all I'm trying to tell these types of stories that I like and really sticking to like not wanting to make anything that I myself wouldn't watch. And that's led me to more interesting places than overly focusing on. I just do things in this specific medium. Well, we, we are, it's funny too, because you're actually, you're discussing a, some question that I was going to ask or something that I was going to dive deeper into you. I do want to discuss because we're, we're about 10 minutes into this. I do want to mention that um, how we met because we met, Back uh, sort of right after season three of Stand Against Evil wrapped. Um, yeah. This was back when you were presenting mail. Mm -hmm. uh, and so. Well, some Sometimes. Sometimes at that point. Fair. It, I was, it was pretty fluid. To be honest, pretty fluid for 10 years, which uh, I don't know why I did a disservice to myself by just not allowing myself to take drugs and get hotter. But uh <laughs> You know, but, but I, I was very fluid and I forgot how I met you at the time because I think I met you at Comic-Con, right? Well, we met through uh, uh, through my It's Complicated, Valerie Tossi and Dana Gould uh, from from the show. And we met and it was it may have been at Comic-Con or I think it may have just been at a hangout here in L.A. Uh, Probably, where yeah. it was like, oh, this is that and everything. And then so I got to see you uh, when you were uh, fluid. Let me rephrase. Presented to me as male. Then uh, I saw you make an announcement that you uh, were going as non-binary. And then I got to see you make the announcement that you were a woman, that you were trans. And it was so awesome to be there at that part where you, you got to realize yourself out loud to everybody. And it was such a cool thing to be sort of witness to. It's, it's, it's been... It's been wonderful to be like, you know, to kind of see how friends of mine have been reacting to it from the outside. Because what you basically caught me in during that time was me very much in this position of compromise where it's like, I've always known that I was trans. I've known mm -hmm. I was trans since kindergarten or earlier than that. You know, as soon as I basically had a concept of gender, that there was a difference. I think I think I, you know, spoke with the psychologist I had to speak with in order to like get a lot of the stuff I'm getting done that my first experience with that was boys and girls being split into two separate sides of the room to do finger painting in preschool. I think that was like the time that I remember looking at opposite sides of the room and being like, 
I don't think this is right. This doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like I'm on the right side of the room. But I was also extremely self-aware as a small child that this is going to (laughs) suck. You know, it's like, it's, it's the early nineties. It's, it's not the most accepting period of time for trans kids, especially all the media. I was going to say, we refer to that as the extreme era. Um. Yeah, everything was extreme, including bigotry. So you would you would think with a lot of experimentation and stuff like that, and you know, there there you know would be more of an openness to it, but absolutely not. So everything on TV, you know, revolving around like transgender people was either like shock horror or gross out humor or like some sort of sideshow spectacle on a daytime talk show Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything you thought was cool or anything you thought that it's like i can be this and also live out some other dream i have so that stuck with me for a long time you know i i didn't really come out and start presenting femme until i was like 19 20 in which I actually started going out in my personal life and kind of being more fluid. But as far as my dreams and aspirations went, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted I wanted to act. I wanted to tell stories. And I didn't see any of the stories I liked being told being done by a trans woman. Like, they just weren't there. So I'm like, okay, maybe I can, I can be fluid. I can be presenting female when I'm not working and then when I do industry events and things like that I can present mail there and have like this mail product that I'm selling (laughs) but that doesn't work because it's so inauthentic that I I realized after a while that there's so there's none of me in this there's none of me in these characters there is there is certainly when I met you if I if you were to like have me describe you when we met I, I I kind of viewed you in this sort of like Tim Burton esque androgyny yeah. Uh, and, and that that I think I think that's not like an incorrect assumption for uh, that that presentation at the time. Yeah, um, it was it was definitely like an, a very, very awkward goth boy. Yeah, that sort works. Of, but sort of. you could. Well, another thing, too, is that you have been uh, um, this is where where we get to do compliments. Uh, you have been lauded as sort of like the next Doug Jones. Like a lot of people have said that your your bo- your body work, your very slender build uh, and your ability to. <laughs> suffer in costume uh which is like such a fascinating way to put it but like but it's lauded as you being sort of like the next sort of like great uh body actor Um, well here's here's the funny thing about that and i've actually mm -hmm. thought about it recently as to because you know getting like playing creatures and stuff like that that was never the goal for me Mm -hmm. like when i went to acting school i didn't consider that it was something i totally fell into and i realized that my ability to play creatures and like inhuman characters under prosthetics is the best case scenario of my repression because (laughs) it is my ability to act and do what I like with acting, but also not having to show what I look like or sound like when I was still closeted and not transitioning. So I want to be in films. I want to be on TV, but I don't want to look or hear myself. (laughs) So it became this thing where it's like, okay, perfect. You will star in the thing, but we will change what you look like entirely. And you will just make monster noises or no, or like no noises at all. So I built this career of being like, I am on screen and I am featured on screen, but I am also hidden. So I I got to a point in which, you know, once I started becoming more confident with myself and realized it's just like, I can't be male presenting anymore. This is totally not working and this is killing me. I found my confidence and I'm also just like, oh, I can, 
I can do the roles that I actually want and yeah. tell the stories I want. I would just be passing the buck onto somebody else to wait for like another trans actress to do it first. And then, and, and it's interesting too, because I have seen, I, I'm very happy for you that you are in this pocket of, of society where of course it's not fully accepting of, you know, this society still is dog. Um, but like, I have seen sort of like how how your career uh, was not harmed by coming out as trans in the way that it may have been 10, 15 years ago. Um, yeah, I, I think I kind of eased a lot of people into it. You know, I, I was going through my social media, I like archived old photos myself I didn't want to see anymore. And I realized that I started posting like femme presenting photos almost seven years ago. I mean, your and cosplay, I mean, you did almost entirely femme presenting cosplay as well. Yeah, I started doing almost entirely uh, female characters in cosplay after doing like starting my cosplay as Apocalypse like right. the most massive juggernaut masculine sort of character you can see where they built me out as like a massive bodybuilder and that went viral too talked. that was a yeah, went viral talked in like the deepest register i could talk to talk in for four days and now like i'm doing a bunch of cute anime girls and magic and domino and like all these marvel characters your your domino is very interesting too because your cosplay has gone viral several times and uh, my favorite of your cosplay is your Domino's Domino, which went <laughs> crazy viral because you had done Domino previously and then you made Domino a delivery driver. Domino, uh, excuse me, uh, you, some of you may be not knowing what I'm talking about uh, from uh, from the uh, New Mutants and X-Force comics and now the X-Men. Uh, Domino, uh, you may remember the character being played uh, by Zazie Beetz in Deadpool 2. But that that went super, super viral. It was really, really great. Real quick, uh, we're going to come right back to that. But the first thing I do want to mention is that if you are a listener of the Patreon at patreon.com slash Jeff May and you are a member of the $10 producer tier, I will say your name uh, during this show. And guess what? Now's one of the times we're going to do that. So Morgana, you can react however you want to any of these names or you can just let me say the hell out of them. So here we go. Ready? Uh, scoundrel, 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 immediate badass name, immediate bad. I feel like I'm a principal when I'm a scoundrel, Kimball, the fully vaccinated task goblin, get vaccinated. You chuckleheads. The 5g lets you see sound and then you can see your friends again. Let's go. Well done. Good job right? on, on giving back to society. Right. Blackagar Boltagon, big booty boy for 2069. Be proud of what you got. <laughs> got it. Russell from Jersey. Pizza, bagels, Taylor Ham. Bold and brash. Taylor Ham, I found out, is is a, a uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey uh, sort of sweet type of ham, apparently. It sounds delicious. I want to fry some of that up for breakfast. Right? I'm not against that. Bold and brash, more like belongs in the trash. Meth J. Hey, wait a second. Hi, I'm Super Fudge, and welcome to Fudgemania. Uh, did you ever read those books? The Super Fudge Fudge Mania, Super and, Fudge. Yeah. Or the, I'm, 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 I got, I got caught up on the SpongeBob reference, and now we're at Super Fudge. Uh, Super, remember, I remember Super Fudge. I, I read that book when I was a kid. Is that Beverly Cleary? I believe wrote that one. A classic. I yeah, I would or, assume. Or Judy Bloom, one of those. Uh, craft beers make my alcoholism look like a neat hobby. Jez Butt, the Ian McClendon, L. Save the best for last, Seldo. 
Connor, no nickname given Benson, Caitlin Binney, the Bullock, Nathan Christopher Charles Ascani's son, Day Spring Summers. You know who that is, right? You're there a domino cosplayer. That is there Cable. They are. An action figure of Clippy. Hey, guys, it's me, Clippy. You want to buy an action figure of me? And uh, Major League Baseball non-superstar Don Ace. Don You'll get there, a- buddy. Ass Ace. You'll get there. Uh, so that is uh, some of the producers, and we will revisit some more in a little bit. But again, if you want to be a part of that and you want me to say your big stupid name on this show, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May and sign up for the $10 producer tier. $10, by the way, way too cheap for me to do that. Am I still going to keep it up? I sure am. Why? I'm very stupid. Um, so back to it, cosplay. Uh, your cosplay was generally what I remember it being very femme presenting. Uh, and it, it sort of, I think you were right about how it did sort of like show people you. It, 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 eats, it eats a lot of people into it. And to be honest, getting that attention for for doing Domino that I did, you know, especially like Gail Simone gave me such amazing praise for, um, for, for my Domino cosplay. That was the first time that I felt validated in a character that I actually identified with and the sort of characters that I wanted to play you know cosplay for me as an actress not only is it really fun it's a fun hobby I'm like making the costumes like in the shop and like learning costuming and sewing and everything which is a ton of fun it's also kind of like performance on spec it's like these are the sort of characters I like to do I'm not saying that I want you to hire me to play a character like literally Ileana Rasputin but a character that is like from this sort of genre that is in the action world that is metaphysical like now instead of being like I just can't see her in this I haven't seen somebody like her in this sort of role I'm like okay I'm gonna go to a convention and I'm gonna let tens of thousands of people see me in this kind of role how how quickly are you over the photo stopping when you're like shopping or whatever, like when people are like, can I get your photograph? Do you, do you always, do you maintain a constant, like, this is great. Or at some point in time, are you like, this is enough. I need to stop. I don't get sick of it. Really? I really don't. I love doing it. It could be like, it could be a narcissistic sort of deal, but it could also. Oh, it absolutely like, is. You're an actor. It, it you're is. An, you're an actor. I, I am narcissistic completely now. Every... I'm, I'm very grateful that I actually can be now because I was very much the opposite about a year and a half ago. You, you so... know, something that's funny though, is whenever people like out here, when they're like, oh, I don't like attention. It's like, you chose entertainment. You absolutely like attention. Like whenever people cho- choose the performing arts, I'm like, let's not pretend that you got into this career. Cause it's like me, like everyone's like, Oh, I don't know if I like the attention. And I'm like, why, why are you a comedian? Like, like no, I, I love, perf- I love performing. I love getting good reactions out of people. You know, I work hard on these characters. So when I get to see somebody get excited about seeing me as a, this character, you know, I, I don't get sick of it. I could go the entire day. I stop for every photo if I can. I made the biggest mistake of like getting a booth a couple of years ago at a convention because I was stuck there all day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't see as many people. I want to be out there seeing people and like, you know, playing around as this character and posing and like doing fun stuff with them. Because, you know, like I said, I mean, this is, this is an opportunity for, me to finally play the sort of characters I want to do in an almost live theater sort of venue. Cosplay is very much that for me. It's it feels it's immersive like theater. theater. Yeah, yeah, it's immersive yeah. theater. Uh, question: How many uh, interactions do you have at conventions when you're in cosplay or uncomfortably sexual? Uh, not nearly enough. <laughs> 
I'm expecting a lot more. Like you have yeah. to understand, like I, things have changed dramatically for me regarding my brand during COVID. You know, mm -hmm. I actually, while I, I, I was full-time presenting femme about a year before, uh, before I started, I, I went on hormones in May of last year mm -hmm. and they have done me a lot of favors. I have seen like, your thirst traps. Yes. And I'm loving making those now because it, it's, I think it was like, my body was very ready for it. It's like, okay, we've been doing this without hormones for so long that now we're actually kind of getting the boost and getting the help and everything. Thought it up, so, baby. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like as far as like, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the sexual aspect of it. I really, really? am. Okay, great. And, you know, it's, it's like, you absolutely should not sexualize people on a default, but I like being raunchy. There is like, you know, I, there is a, a sense of sexuality and confidence to the roles that I do and the characters that I play and I have fun with it. So for me as a, on a personal level, it is really nice to finally have that confidence and it being something I actually enjoy playing with. Cause I, I did have people who liked me and, you know, were attracted to me and male roles that I had played before and it felt terrible. Really? Like I would get, I would get, yeah, it was, it was hard to describe because I, I had the experience with a previous fan film that I was in, in which I played a male lead character that was very successful. The people really liked and really loved. And I got all this praise for it and I would get fan art and I would get people fawning over me. And I felt terrible. I felt absolutely awful because all their compliments and all their praise I knew was directed at me, but very much felt like it was for somebody else because that's not me. That's not how I like myself. They're actually complimenting things I hate about myself. Okay, I was always wondering, this is, cause again, I'm, I'm a, I'm a who, wait, cis head male. Um, I do have questions and I, I always feel like it's like an uncomfortable thing to breach with people because, and we talked about this earlier. I don't, I don't necessarily ascribe your identity to your gender. Uh, and I don't want people to feel that way. But of course, there are questions that I have. And I try to be I try to be a cool friend myself. My nephew is trans. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I try to make sure that I do everything right. But I, I so your your former self, your your dead name, that that human. Yeah. You don't view that as like, oh, so people are attracted to me on both sides of my existence. But instead, they are these people are attract. It's like when Clark Kent was mad that Lois loved Superman instead of Clark kind of a thing. Yeah, like, cause, cause, and, that, and that would be a, that would be a relevant thing if I was non-binary, mm -hmm. if I was somebody who very much is. identified with both, but it very much felt like a half life. If mm -hmm. that, because I really wasn't the thing I was selling, the thing I was putting out there, the thing I was expressing myself through was so not me in any way. It was me playing a character in order to play a character, I had this wall Layers. between me. Yeah, it was just it was just this 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 wall between me and actually connecting with something. So, I thought I was okay with it. I thought that that was just like, oh, I just am this type of person who's just not hit by this stuff. And it's like, no, it's because everything that I'm being praised for right now is stuff that I wanted. That it's not me. This is this is this doesn't feel right. So it would be like if someone came up to you and you have this this way of presenting right now, your sort of Harrison Ford-esque presentation <laughs> that you're rocking right now. And like women came up to you and they're just like, oh, you're so cute and pretty. And they were just like kind of giving you all these things that kind of made you feel sort of small and delicate and feminine. And Can I say something? Yeah. It's just nice to be liked from me. 
You know, no. <laughs> no, you know well, well, I will say because I, I here here's what I will say in, in, in the akin to that, because obviously I am aggressively masculine. Uh, it's not something that I try to do. It's just what I am. It's just how I present. I can't help it. Um, that being said, uh, I lost about 30 pounds over the pandemic. And a lot of people started saying things like, oh, you're so small. And yeah. that to me was like such an it was like really insulting because I'm not like I still actually maintain the exact same amount of musculature. It's just that I don't have all the padding on me. And so like my body dysmorphia kicked in so hard and I was look like I would spend like 15 minutes just looking at myself in the mirror and being like, what do they mean by small? Like, so I, I understand yeah, it from is, that it is perspective. A type, that is a type of body dysmorphia, uh, mm-hmm. uh, dysphoria for sure of, yeah. of kind of looking at yourself and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not connecting with these, these perceptions that yeah. people have towards me right now. And, you know, it, it was funny. It was actually, um, the Pooh Bell twins. I, I was with them at, uh, at from, Comic-Con. From Vucha Vavoom, I believe. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, Barbara and Vera. And um, I was showing them a new card that I had, like a new social media card that, mm-hmm. I, that I had. And uh, I had used a photo on that because it's like, I'm involved in horror. I should have this really rough sort of like dark, you know, dirty photo of me on there. So it was like this very dark, very masculine looking photo of mine on the card that was like, super overly detailed i looked older than i was like it just it was like very much the sort of thing that would work well for like a grizzled horror actor and i i chose that because i'm just like yeah this works for my genre but it wasn't because it was a photo i loved of Mm -hmm. myself it was like this is for this character i'm playing and i remember them looking at that and they you know they saw me fem presenting on social media because they were following me on instagram and things like that and they just looked at the card and they looked at me and they're like this looks cool but this isn't you it's like they did they were confused they're like why would you choose this photo this is this is so not you at all and i remember looking at it, it's like you're right i'm <laughs> passing these out to people to go follow me on social media but who the f- is this on this card this isn't this isn't wow. a real person and after you spent all that money on those cards yeah, basically. It's, but, but again, I kept I kept dumping money into this thing that wasn't real, this image that wasn't real, this person that wasn't real. And I didn't know anything else. Like it wasn't until I actually went full time and started like really figuring out who I was in this whole scene that I'm like, oh, I, I actually really like this person and I'm having a lot of fun with this person. And I feel like I have to turn in like my goth card because... I've been so obnoxiously happy. You're very sunny, yeah. For like over a year and a half now. Like like just over the top, just happy every day. Yeah. I mean And I and I didn't know I, I didn't even have a source of of contrast before that of of even realizing how unhappy I was. So even your style transitioned. How exciting is that? Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's it's now like it all feels real. You know, this all feels like this feels like a real person who it's like everything feels authentic now and I'm having fun with that. I I'm I don't give a f- anymore <laughs> that I'm trans instead of cis as far as like, you know, it's like I'm not passing as a cis woman. It's like I'm a trans woman. I'm a attractive cool trans woman that people like online so it's like i'm very over the idea of people being like oh your voice doesn't pass or you're too tall it's just like i know what i am <laughs> and i'm very into it so yeah. i don't your voice passes under- for who you are 
it, it's like, the voice that we're it's yeah it's my voice if it's, it's it's like if i am a trans woman trans women are women and this is what my voice sounds like and it sounds my voice now sounds significantly different i was i was listening to a podcast i did two years ago um a couple days ago because thinking about doing this with you and i heard my voice then and i'm like holy shit, i like forgot what i sounded like yeah your voice is time. much more feminine now which is and i thought i was trying then too and i'm like okay no it's it's changed a lot just through time and yeah. it's good and, and what i'll add uh and, and we'll go through this because again i don't want to spend the whole time just just talking about this because you have such a cool body of work that i want to talk about as well but one of the things that you said that was important to me and something that i thought that you probably would like to hear i'm sure you've heard it enough is you said well i like me and i think another cool part about that is that since you have sort of officially sort of put yourself out there uh, as your natural self the world has reacted with we like you too um and, and, and you're wonderful and your social media following has exploded it it has and i think the best the best most satisfying thing for this entire deal is the amount of young trans kids i've had follow me and, you know, kids who came out way, way before I did, who, who, you know, like when they're still living at home with their parents and they're transitioning in school and stuff. And it makes, you know, when I talk to some of these kids who are like 14, 14 through 16, like just like young high school kids mm -hmm. and remembering where I was in high school and remember how badly, badly I needed to look up to somebody and to think somebody who was like me was cool and involved in something I liked. Yeah. Was something that I wanted so desperately as a kid, because I wanted to see some option for myself other than ending up on like Maury or something like that. And like being like on a talk show circuit yeah. or, or, or some crying game, Ace Ventura bullshit. Some, some, some shit like that. And that's all I had when I was a kid. That's all I saw as far as this went. So the fact that, I get to talk with them. I get to like, they, they're, you know, I get to like, you know, give them praise for the artwork they made for me and stuff like that, encourage them. And that feels so good because I needed that so badly when I was young. So let's jump to that because you have gotten a lot of artwork lately because you have recently appeared on uh, a very, very popular YouTube animated horror musical. Or I wouldn't call it horror, but an animated adult musical i don't know comedy, how to describe everything. it it's it's a dark uh, it's a dark comedy in hell called hell of a boss now this is a show that was not on my radar i am according to the dictionary here an old man so i don't necessarily <laughs> i didn't know what this was i watched it the aesthetic is very sort of of the new animation aesthetic. Uh, it is a, a very very interesting uh, and fun cartoon I thought to myself when I first saw this, I was like, this is something that my niece and nephew would watch. I contacted them and said, have you heard of this? And they were like, oh my God, yes. What cave do you live in that you're even asking <laughs> this question like that? And so I said, oh, well, my friend plays Sally Mae and I'm going to be interviewing her later on today. And they were like, shut the f up. And I was like, okay. But they were like, really like, that's really cool. And they were talking about how and I was like, well, what do you think about the character of Sally Mae? And they were like, well, they were like, we didn't get a ton of her. But what I like is that the character is trans, but that's not the point. It's yeah. just it's just a character in this real world of assassins in hell. 
uh, goofy, whatever. And it was one of those things where where my nephew was like, it's nice to see that instead of having it be like movie of the week. Uh, and I thought that was a really interesting uh, take. How did you was that important to you with the character? That was extremely important to me. Um, I had actually uh, spoken with Viv, um, Vi- uh, Vivian Madrona, the creator of the series, who is an absolute genius friend of mine, who I met through other friends within like the animation industry. Um, her and I hit it off immediately, just being into, you know, dark humor and demons and the sort of aesthetic that both of us, you know, being of a similar age grew up with, you know, we're, we're both very much those kids who were obsessed with like Invader Zim when that was out and, and, you know, like slave labor graphics, comic books and things like that. So, and like the Johnny, the homicidal maniac kind of stuff. Yeah, Exactly. And so many people on her crew are, you know, are of that generation that grew up with that sort of stuff. So it's, it's, this is sort of like where the evolution of like kids who drew that stuff in their notebooks and then just kept drawing and kept creating until they got really good and are now doing stuff like this. But I didn't speak with Viv specifically about Sally Mae because that wasn't that wasn't something she had come up with yet. But we talked about you were additional voices before that i noticed well, I got, in the credits well, that you were credited in a couple episodes as additional i, I got voices. brought in as a, uh, for additional voices the same day as, as I, I recorded sally may okay additional voices were like i was there to do stuff for sally may so i might as well do also additional voices for other things because yeah i'm getting paid for the time so most of the voice actors do that they're also additional voices as on as well as like whatever means they do but you know we we she asked me questions she asked me it's like what you know i was lamenting about the trans roles that I wish existed and my frustration with my career and, you know, not seeing the sort of opportunities for myself I wish I was were there. And she asked me what I was looking for and what I was hoping to find as a trans actress. And I'm like, I just want to play a character who can be trans, but that's not their story. And they do not hold up whatever is happening in the show. They can actually be, a, it's like, you know, if, if there's a trans character like that in a comedy, I don't want them to show up and it suddenly is not funny anymore. Yeah. I don't want them to show up and be the non-cool character that you wouldn't want to hang out with. But instead it's like, this is a character I'm going to be feeling sorry for right now. Or mm-hmm. this is like a big emotional moment or something like this for, for this arc. Instead, like, this is her introduction in this episode. She shows up and like, all of her lines are like fun, sassy quips. Mm-hmm. They're they're funny moments in the episode. And she's presently trans in the idea that she has like the horns are a giveaway for her. It's like male imps have a specific horn type and female imps have another horn type. So that was the visual cue was that she had the, you know, ma- the, uh, male the- at birth presenting like mm-hmm. horns, um, which I loved. I thought that was so cool. But most of the crew on Hell of a Boss, you know, a lot of them are, are are LGBT. So it was a crew that I very much trusted to get this right. I didn't know what she was going to look like until everyone else did on the premiere day. Is and, the is the name of Sally May being a demon a reference to the student loan company being demonic? Look, she's dark, but she's not that evil. Okay. Okay. And there's, there's, there's like, look, we're just dealing in like, you know, murders for hire and stuff like that. We're not quite as evil as destroying a generation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is continuous misery where you envy the dead after a certain point of time. Man, I'm just not paying them. I'm like, (laughs) just, you guys have to get rid of them eventually. Just let's go with it. 
I'm just waiting until some administration comes in that destroys them. But yeah, yeah I mean, for her small amount of time in that episode, it's like, I hope people like her, you know, when I came before I came out, it's like, I hope people like her. I hope that I get a fan piece of fan art or two. <laughs> a piece. I have, I have gotten over 300 pieces of fan art so far. And I like and collect them all. They all like every single one of them from the beautifully, wonderfully shaded, colored, rendered out pieces of fan art that are just absolutely immaculate to kids who are doodling her on, I saw like somebody doodling her on a math assignment. And just thinking (laughs) about how bored I was in school drawing my favorite characters on my math assignments. And I'm like, that's my character. They're, you're doing what I was doing when I wasn't paying attention in school. I'm but so it's proud. me. <laughs> it's it's funny too because this is a good example of like, and I always mention because like I would call myself a professional nerd. I think that's essentially what I do. It's the it's the brand that I've built, and it, and it is essentially it's kind of like a who I am situation. With that being said, uh, we all have blind spots. And so a lot of like the new era of animation, I've sort of lost on primarily because of time. This show has tens of millions of watches per episode. The, the first th- the first weekend that episode five was released within three days had accumulated 11 million views. And three and, million and was since, the, yeah. Yeah, and was the number one the number one trending video on the entirety of YouTube. And, you know, the, the thing that I really value and love about my career is that I haven't done any projects that I myself wouldn't want to watch. And I would be a huge fan of this show if I had nothing to do with it. If I didn't know anyone involved in it, if I had nothing to do with it, this would be one of my favorite shows. Because it's so, like, on top of loving the show itself the humor the story the characters the production of it is so punk rock because it it is being entirely independently produced that it's being funded by fans loving it by fans watching it and it doesn't answer to any corporation that's telling viv or the other writers this is how you have to do this show it has a very golden age of adult swim vibe if that makes sense like if you remember when when Adult Swim like first kind of started out and they were left alone before before they were really a smash and it was and it was like essentially it was just like Aqua Teen and and Space Ghost and you know a couple of little fifteen minute shows that existed out there and they were like these very like punk rock kind of shows on there and obviously you know Adult Swim I think Rick and Morty really pushed adult swim into the the forefront of visibility well, a lot of this because a lot of the creators of these shows are are around the age that i'm at so they grew up with the same <laughs> stuff a lot of it is the, the the wild west of animation was like nickelodeon in the early 90s oh, yeah. before before the before the rules were really written yet mm-hmm. as to what like children's animation in the 90s looked like when it was just like a bunch of people who grew up on like you know they grew up on underground comics like mad magazine and yeah, like zap and crumb um, yeah so you were getting Rocco's modern life and you were getting angry beavers that that richard horvitz who's in hell of a boss was one of the voices That's on right. or you know um i mean ren and stimpy ren, ren and stimpy yeah. yeah like ren and stimpy for three seasons that was so bizarrely wild and all of those shows were very much there at a time in which they didn't quite understand what 
that era of animation was going to be because it wasn't based on selling action figures like the 80s was where it's like every show was about like the action figure line this is like oh we're gonna just create this wild zany comedic animation that could be for kids or adults because my dad watched early nicktoons with of course me. he loved them more than i did did you watch the nickelodeon documentary on hulu no but i need to do it um, one of the important things was how how long they spurned merchandising uh, from conception to they went like over 10 years of existing without merchandising. And I think like they maybe made like a family like a double dare game. And that was pretty much it. And it wasn't really until the 90s that they started to be like, all right, let's make some let's sell some GAC. Let's make some Ren and Stimpy plush toys and <laughs> yeah, stuff like seriously. that. Yeah, seriously. And, and then over, you know, overproduces it to the point that the creators don't even recognize it anymore. Like yeah. Jonan Vasquez still just marveling at the fact that he's a very anti-capitalistic sort of punk show creator. And he's just like, there is more Invader Zim merchandise everywhere than I I can ever see. I got to so be I, honest. I, I it's it's easy to be anti-capitalist until you start making millions off of merchandising. And then you're like, yeah, exactly. You know, merch, merchandise yep. for our for for us, um, you know that that is so much of the show's budget. You know, but like fans buying the t-shirts and the pins and all this stuff. Like when new batches of it get released, like that's so much of what the the, the you know the show's budget is. And like we all get paid well. We all get paid what like a normal you know like a like a good studio would pay. Like I love that. Stuff. So you know, we're all, yeah, everyone's getting paid and the fans are able to directly put their money into something that they want to watch instead of it being like they're having to buy what the advertisers are putting commercials up for in order for the advertisers to give, you know, revenue to. Entertainment, entertainment recently, like since the YouTube era really came in, it definitely has been sort of like a gold rush vibe to it where people are like trying whatever they can to mine the right amount of gold where they can they can get wealthy on their own terms as opposed to having to have a studio maybe arbitrarily decide to give you what you want you can instead go to the people and you have access to them which i think is really cool there has been far less um emphasis on artists being like i need to sell myself to an agent or a producer or uh you know a talent scout or any of that there's been far less thought about that as there has been i need to create my own content and put my own content out there to an audience it's which it's hard and it's like that to have that confidence to put that content out and to say i'm good enough that people are gonna like this it's i'm, th- it's I'm thinking about it for myself you know it's like i i have you know i have quite a few friends who are have some sort of passive income coming in aside from their like normal ambitious career. They're like, this is the stuff that I can create on my own that I can give to an audience in between me trying to find the next gig, you know, cause I have way too much time off from not filming some project, you know, hopefully there will be, you know, less of that time in between, but I'm trying to figure out how to launch myself, you know, more content for myself later this year so that everyone who's watching me and enjoying the stuff that I'm doing for these different projects, I can give more stuff to. 
Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to do another little batch of producers. And again, these are at the $10 producer tier at patreon.com slash Jeff May. If you are listening to this for free across the internet and you want to hear it a week early and without all the all the naughty words bleeped out, uh, just go to patreon.com slash Jeff May. God, that, I feel like I'm debasing myself every time I say that, but it's just a habit. Uh, another batch. It feels That's good. That's what it's about. Yeah. Uh, I'm selling it. Uh, exploding runes. JK, Jeff May's biggest fans. Uh, eating Batman, formerly known as Fashizless Jones. There it is. Topical. There's there's the there, controversy right there. There it I is. Have my, You're, I have my own beef on that. If you want to hear that name not bleeped out, head <laughs> over to patreon.com. Uh, David Knifeboot Henson. Funky J, St. Gutfree, Instagrams at Bob underscore of underscore skull. Mike Gouts, Grumblebee, Grumblebee. I like that. I always want to say that in an Optimus Prime voice. Cronenberger, Nolan, Maiton, Miguel Acuna, These Seven Bees, Lemming Malloy, Kool-Aid Molotov. I love that because it makes me think of the Kool-Aid Man as a suicide bomber. And that just feels good. Super- yeah, that gives an entirely different vision to him bursting through walls randomly. Right. Superman Family number 184, Chairface Chippendale, Monster Rancher for PS1. That's oh, a great game, man. I love, you know, the PS1s, there was a while that they were selling for crazy money because apparently they were the world's best CD player. I believe that. Isn't that, isn't I totally that wild? I believe that. I also just like, uh, a while ago, I went on YouTube and just looked up the uh, PS1 startup sound because I needed that endorphin rush. I just, I just needed, I just needed that drop of serotonin of just like hearing the PS One startup. It's so soothing. That for it's me, almost, it's almost ASMR. For for me, it was Sega. That's less soothing, but still good. I mean that, yeah. Well, I mean that just shows our our difference in age. You were what four when that came out? I had the Sega Genesis. I yeah. was actually my first uh, game system. Well, it makes sense because yeah. y- you know they were like, we're done with this. We're moving to the Saturn. I'm the law, martial law, and I hate superheroes. Lemming Malloy, Billy, no last name available. And I don't care if it's woman's deodorant. It works better and smells nicer. Uh, so that, wrong. that's, uh, you know, we'll get a couple more. Uh, how about this one? This one makes me feel pretty good. Jeff is handsome. That feels good. Straight to the point. Bart Fartigan, Jennifer Fendelander, the most well-prepared dead guy. DaveyFrancis.com. I didn't kill my wife feels harrison 40 so that works for me right there adrian kelly stanaway silius ruby steven dr dna burrito mouth twitch.tv slash firechild 460 there you go that's a nice plug go follow him at twitch lisa harden huey freeman taurus bulba mind freak 555 cody currently suing billy over name theft beck at gavin underscore not Jessica Robertson, Captain Fatstrong, Gregarious Gregorio, the AV Foundro, Domo Arigato, Andro Roboto, Lef, and Grayman of the Fireside Chronicles. That's uh, just another batch of producers. I got one more batch to get through. Uh, we're going to talk to that uh, in a second. Now, that being said, I want to talk about your work uh, as a puppeteer and a, and a, a, a body actor. Um, I want to talk primarily about Earth to Ned and the curious creations of Christine McConnell. Absolutely. Um, how is your back after doing these jobs? Because okay, again, it, I'm I'm gonna t- I'm gonna tease you right now because uh, it is rough today. I actually got off from filming 3 a.m. in the morning from doing 
probably the heaviest puppet that I've carried and the one that just takes the most awkward position to hold. But you're going to sh** your pants when you find out what it's for. I did just now. So yeah, I don't even know yeah, what it is. You have um, you've, you've prepared yourself. You're NDA, um, you're NDA in it out. Yeah, I, I can. I this this one I would I would have a chip in the back of my head go off if I if I even came close to mentioning what it is. But it was amazing to be a part of. I can't wait to announce it. But like so many of these characters, um, it, it falls under stunts because it's very much a specialty physical thing you have to do, and it it is a physically daunting, difficult you know difficult thing to to put yourself through. I've kind of always loved the the contrast between people seeing me and seeing like what I look like, especially now, compared to what I do on sets. Because I have even like the jacked stunt dudes who are throwing each other against walls and stuff like that, like seeing what I'm wearing and seeing what I'm performing and seeing what I'm doing and just like giving me mad props and respect. I mean, it should be like, I want to like the curious case of Christine McConnell. Uh, you played Edgar, the werewolf. How heavy was that costume when you were walking around in it? Cause that thing it, looked so massive. Yeah. So the, the suit itself wasn't too heavy, but the head was a massive animatronic. It was a massive animatronic. I wore a, for the, for the curious creations of Christine McConnell, it was like a helmet strapped to my head with all the animatronics for the werewolf's face in front of me. So just imagine that you have just a light bowling ball on a string that is hanging off the front of your face. Oof. So your neck at the end of the day, filming for like eight to 10 hours a day, mostly wearing this thing. Was that con um, controlled by somebody else? The, the animatronics yeah, was controlled? Yeah, the, the, the animatronic was con controlled by Drew Massey, who is not only an amazing puppeteer, but, um, uh, is, is also a show creator now who has a, a puppet show called The Barbarian and the Troll, which is hysterical on a Nickelodeon. But oh, okay. he did the voice, he was doing the voice for Edgar and also controlling the, the face because whoever does the voice of the character has to be the one who's controlling the mouth. So he would be offset watching a screen and I'm inside this thing, like most of my creatures blind. You cannot see Really? Outside. You can like different for Earth to Ned, but for these characters, you're blind and cannot see out of them. As a matter of fact, the eyes for Edgar were above my head. So in order to get Edgar to look straight, I'm looking at the floor. So that's how my character is moving around. Everything about you anatomically changes because where your character's hand is is not where your actual hand is. Where their eyes are is not where your eyes are. So you not only have to move differently, you have to have a completely different sense of body awareness to do these characters it's it seems it like it i saw because i watched uh i watched christine mcconnell i i, I knowing that you were in that suit and just wondering I, I was like that looks like a nightmare to be in the body of course by the way i will add working is good and working in TV pays pretty well sometimes. And it's a good it's good to have these jobs. But I was sitting there and I was just like, Morgana must be dying in that thing. I was it's, I was genuinely like I was concerned look wondering about that. It is wild. It is it is like, you know, uh, you know, it did make me a really solid living. And it makes me a good living when I'm on one of these shows and I'm doing these things because you know, you 
I, I get paid a good day right now, but at the end of the day, I'm running myself a hot bath and just trying to get my muscles back to where they need to be to do the whole thing again the next day. Yeah, um, but they're going to be like, Henson should have like an on-call uh, masseuse available wherever they have that. It would be, it would be so great if that was that. just a SAG after thing for all of this. It's just like, yeah, here's somebody to work out your muscles so you can do this the next day. I, I mean, that was the that was the same thing for for um, Stand Against Evil, you know, doing, doing Stand Against Evil and the demons on that. You know, I would do day after day of being in full prosthetics. I, I had one day where, because I was doing two episodes of the show, I got into one character at the beginning of the day, shot half the day for this character, went back, got cleaned up, got a different character glued on me, and went back and did stuff for that one. And that was filmed in Georgia in the summer? In the summer. So Georgia heat um, in like a very swampy feeling, humid area of Georgia at like, 90 degrees with a billion percent humidity did you lose so, like robocop weight when you would be in there like remember how oh, he what? didn't he say he lost like 7 to 15 pounds a day oh you're drenched yeah. you're drenched and i have an undersuit on underneath that it, is, it needs to be like washed that night because i'm just like it it's a workout you know and a lot of people end up being very surprised that i do this stuff because I do a lot of fight choreography for these characters. I'm I'm not somebody who's trained in that. So I'm working with crews who have been doing it for years, if not decades. And they're like, okay, I've been doing this for 20 years to learn how to do this. Um, you have 20 minutes. So let's get you to a point in which you're not going to die. Um, Wouldn't that and, be nice? And I'm, I'm able to adapt to that stuff pretty quickly. But... I, I literally roll with the punches on these things. Um, I got on, on top of kind of like the, uh, you know, what, what I said before of it being the, the best, best case scenario for an actor with, uh, actor with repression. I was an animator before I got into acting. I, I was really? actually a stop motion animator. So I worked on shows like Robot Chicken and Moral Oral and Frankenhole, a bunch of adult swim shows. So my basis for understanding how a character moves began with me being on the outside of it and physically moving a variety of different kinds of puppets, studying wow. the movement of using, you know, literally inhabiting different characters that I'm moving with my hands. So when I do this character that is not a character I can really be quote unquote in the moment with because I'm blind, it is a stunt to even wear the thing. I'm able to kind of see the character almost on the outside of it. And I'm like, this is how I would animate it. I'm animating myself. I am moving myself. And I kind of understand from an outsider perspective what this character would look like on screen and how to make it look good. I try to get a lot of time with the character, even if not fully done up before shooting, in front of a mirror, walking around base camp, just whatever I can do to get used to it and figure out how to sort of embody this different thing. That must have it, freaked people out on Stan because your oh, characters were it. so grotesque. Yeah. And I would, um, I, I often joke that if you, uh, if you're a PA on one of my projects, don't make the comment that I'm scary or I will gun for you yeah. the entire day. You're that like, will be, you're, like be a, my you're like a scare actor at universal. You're just like, Oh, you're well, afraid I, I'm coming for you. Well, I literally was like that was I, I did of course, the of course you several times there that on the street. That's the you know? least surprising thing uh, to hear. That was it, a, that was a good that was a good you know Halloween season job was working in the streets and improvising being like a monster to get reactions out of people. Funny story. 
I have had, we're only on our seventh episode of the show. Two of our guests were the writers of your shows. Uh, I saw them. We had Jordan and who else? We had Jordan Morris and then Dana Gould. Uh, oh, of course. The creator. Yeah. So Jordan Morris was a writer for Earth to Ned, and Dana, of course, was the writer-creator of Stand Against Evil. Uh, Earth to Ned, also, you are the, the there's, you're not the only Ned, because there are other, there are other parts, correct? Yes. Because it's Ned such a big enormous. puppet. Yeah. yeah tell so, me so about I- that. Well, voice voice actor Paul Rugg, who who's most famous for doing the voice of Freakazoid, um, he is the voice of Ned and is operating the the mouth of Ned because a lot of it's improvised. It has to be right because uh, Earth to Ned. Oh, I'm sorry, I totally didn't describe it. Earth to Ned is on Disney Plus, and, and it is best described as a space themed alien late night show. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, in in a nutshell, it is about a, an alien named Ned who uh, is tasked with coming to Earth to destroy it, but instead falls in love with Earth culture and specifically pop culture and celebrities and decides that a better use of his time would be uh, being a late night host instead of destroying the planet. So we beam in a lot of like really fun guests, mostly a lot of friends of the comedy writers on the show for the first season. So a lot of people who are really down to have fun with that. I am inside of Ned and Ned is so huge that instead of me wearing it like a suit, it is like me being inside of a control panel. Um, I have several screens in front of me that are showing like showing the split. I have my arms up inside of the head on like this sort of T crossbar thing that controls that the, the head and neck. And then I'm able to maneuver my body in the body to make Ned's body move. Um, that is like a full body sort of thing in which I'm like in the torso pulling levers and pulling, you know, using my legs and move this thing around. It's, it's really wild. Um, how long are your shoot days for a show like that? Oh, they'd be long when we'd have guests on. I would say um, we usually ran between eight to ten hours. So you do an eight to ten hours where you're you're moving your arms and puppetry and and all that stuff, and you'd be doing that roughly for. And I'm guessing, obviously, you're not doing eight to ten hours of full no, puppetry, no, we, but but still, we take, that's... We take, yeah, we take breaks because we we also have puppeteers who are on the side of me doing the hands of Ned, mm-hmm. and those are even more difficult because you have to have your arms straight up in the air. My spot is not that uncomfortable. Um, it did take a lot of sort of like wrist and hand strength when I was like kind of figuring out how to make Ned's uh, Ned's head work. And we tweaked it a lot and made it easier as production went. But that was one of the cushier jobs I had. Yeah. I got to go to set dressed however I want. That was actually the first job I, I was on where I got to be full-time femme presenting because it didn't matter what I wore. I could wear anything I want to set because I'm just getting inside of this big control panel. So if I, once I got tired and like when we were on break or something, I could hop out of the puppet. I could just like hop right out of Ned and stretch and stuff and then like hop right back in. So that's a dream gig for a puppeteer. It was, it was wonderful, but it was also, um, you know, Ned was created with me figuring out this, you know, they, they had never built a puppet like that before. I mean, this it's like seven feet tall, right? Enormous. Absolutely enormous. So they, they were not going off of like a previous blueprint for how Ned was constructed. So this was the first show that I had development. Like I had like, like development time where in pre-production I'm working with the people at the Henson creature shop to figure out what works, what I can do with these controls, seeing if I can come up with anything. That's got to feel cool. It was so cool. I mean, 
when I auditioned for Ned, it was actually like a, a long dry patch of not having any work. I got brought in because of Christine McConnell, because they knew me on that. I, I heard, uh, had heard about the show through uh, Michael and Colleen, who I had worked with on Christine McConnell, who were also on Earth to Ned, and messaged them to see if I can audition for it. And I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a suit. I thought it was going to be like another suit thing that the animatronic had. Um, I'd never puppeteered before in my life. I've never done any sort of puppeteering. So the very first time that I will have ever traditionally puppeteered for an audition was for Brian Henson. Oh, geez. So that was that was my introduction of puppeteering for people the first time in my life and somehow discovered that just based on the other things I've done already in my career, it was an easy thing. Like all the ingredients were there. It was yeah. very easy to me for me to fall into because it's like the animation background, the acting background, the creature background, all of that combined. Where it's like, oh, I've never puppeteered before, but apparently I can. All, all of it's sort of like a very Karate Kid, where like all of the wax on, wax off, and all of the paint the fence shit that you've been doing for the for the years previously have all gotten you to the tournament, and you you used all the skills that you've had in this perfect. This nexus of all of your skills all met at the same time, and it was for this amazing job in front of yeah. in front of puppetry royalty. By the yeah, way, yeah, and I I remember walking like you know after the audition, I I like walked out of there and I like I like burst into tears because I knew it was good. Like <sighs> that was that was the thing. It's like the first time that I kind of was like kind of over uh, overwhelmed with emotion from an audition because I walked out of there and it's like. I know I nailed that. That's it's so like, cool. I can't believe I did, but that could not have possibly gone better. And then I got the email like a couple hours later asking me to hop on. So, you know, really like show, just a couple hours later, they were like, we want her. Apparently, apparently after Brian saw the last person during the audition, he just turned to the rest of the cast and it's like, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's Morgana. That's so, so awesome. And then that's, so what's cool about that is that, I don't know how to, the process works. The last episode when I was talking with Danny Palumbo and he was talking about like when I saw him perform and do well and I booked him on a show and he's like, yeah, the process works. This is another good example of the process works, meaning you have been working your ass off at gigs that are sort of increasing in their sort of visibility and that prestige where you're finally finding yourself at sort of the the mecca of puppetry. With the, with, the, with the Henson company and, and just you're the right Tetris piece at the right time. Uh, and it all just works together. And it's the process of your hard work, dedication and your 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 willingness to be stalwart that ended up sort of pulling you into this. And I am I am just enamored and like super excited for you for that. It's so cool. Well, I appreciate that. And, and honestly, it is it's the most annoying advice in the world to say you just have to be persistent because I'm not patient when it comes to myself. I am patient when it comes to everyone else and everything else in my life, except for things concerning myself. So when people are just like, Oh, it just takes time. You don't want to believe that you want to think there's a silver bullet or like some secret where it's just like, Oh no, if I just do this thing, it'll be good tomorrow. And that's just not, the it's case. not people ask I, me about it, about podcasting all the time. 
Like, how do I make a living doing it? I'm like, you have to work really hard at it for free for a long time. And I'm sorry. You do, you do years like, of failing. Yeah. Basically, you do years of it feeling like it's absolutely not going to pan out before it finally does. Well, like, it's funny because, like, you know, like, I've mentioned this before, but, like, where, where my, my Instagram sort of accidentally became slightly motivational because of, like, me doing the the video, the workout stuff and everything. And I have to keep reminding people, it's like, this is a process of, like, exercise and, and health and stuff like that. It's not fun. Like, I'm not like, like when it's people are like, oh, so you like running? I'm like, I hate running. I it's 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 awful for me, but it's my job to stay healthy. And, and so I keep doing it. But there is no shortcut. It's well, just, that's the, I've, I've gotten into these conversations with people on Twitter on both um, both related to career work, like how to get into acting and also people wanting to transition and having to explain both aspects of that, where it's like, it takes time. It takes a lot of annoying practice. It takes like kind of looking like an idiot sometimes and like things not quite working for you. And, you know, it's like, people are like, oh my God, your makeup looks amazing. Why are you so good at makeup? It's like from being terrible at makeup for years. Oh yeah. Like be like looking absolutely awful and needing my girlfriend to do my makeup and stuff because I could not apply makeup to me to save my life. And I'm still not great at it. I'm like, guys, I do the same look continuously because I've been practicing this one sort of red hue smoky eye continuously. Nailed it. Uh, and I nailed it. Now it looks fucking great, but that's what I know how to do. You um, you do, and you're very good at that. I'm, I'm going to do my last batch of producers real quick. We're going to keep going that. So I would like to shout out to my producers again, my last group at the $10 uh, uh, patreon.com slash Jeff May. Uh, we have Ricky Cilantro at Nerd Numbers, Mackenzie Chill, Willem Dafoe's Baffling Big Bonanza, Dan Hackroyd. I was, you were drinking when I said that one, and I saw you kind of like spit uh, your water back up, and I was a very big fan of that. Uh, Dan Hackroyd, Murph the Murph. Show me in the rules where it says a dog can't play basketball. <laughs> Russell Richardson, the sass bitch Stan. Sophia Hapgood, the ghost of Dave Thomas. Shebrew Sleeps, Norm from Cheers, Vortispin, Normal Man Andrew McGuire, Jolly Buckaroo, and of course, my favorite cheese, Dill Havarti. What's your favorite cheese? Oh, there is a, uh, this store in Sherman Oaks used to have a 10-year-aged hook cheddar cheese that was aged enough for you to have these sort of calcium, crunchy calcium crystal deposits inside of it. It is the most decadent thing. Is it? It's I'm so a little good. scared of that. No, it's it's so good. It is the best cheddar cheese you've ever had. But otherwise, I like a good brie. I like a good brie. I like, a brie, I, like yeah. I like I like some I like a smoky cheese, like a like a really good smoky gouda. Like a good gouda, yeah. Something like that. I'm a big cheese fan. You know what I've been enjoying lately, uh, and it's weird, but I don't buy it in a, a lot because it's it's very decadent. But like, there's like this blueberry cheese that you can. I forget where where I got it. It might have been at Sprouts. But there was this this blueberry infused. I want to say it was like a maybe a Havarti or something like that, and it was so damn good. Yeah, I love I love like a good like fancy grilled cheese sandwich, like a good cheese in there, and like a like a bowl of like tomato basil soup to dip it in. That's apparently that's really really what I want tonight for dinner. Make a grilled cheese and tomato soup. Do you use uh, when you grill uh, when you when you are uh, using a fat? For your bread are you olive oil butter or mayonnaise um i've been using uh a really good olive oil or even coconut oil 
Oh, um, ooh, which is coconut a oil. Thing, which have been really good. I've been, I've been frying a lot of things in coconut oil because it's a little better for you, yeah. but for a grilled cheese sandwich, I'll use like a good olive oil and then like a garlic powder or salt or something like that. Season it up a little mix bit. Into it a little season, season that sourdough. I started using mayonnaise as my grilling fat and I, I'm not going to go back. It's it, it's such a good addition to that's fascinating. To me. I have not used mayonnaise in a lot of things. I don't think I've ever bought mayonnaise for myself. So because I, I don't really enjoy it, it on like like a regular cold cut sandwich. It gets so, a bad rap, I think. Cooking cooking with it could be interesting. Yeah, I cook um, hamburger buns, and uh, when I'm doing grilled cheese uh, or when I'm whenever I'm grilling bread, I will spread the mayonnaise on it, and it just adds okay. a slight tang to the bread. That's very good. You're selling me on it. I think You're selling man- me on it. I'm I'm bum- mayonnaise gets such a bad rap, and it's weird. Like people like to like dunk on it on the internet all the time. And I'm like, I don't understand this, but like a a, a hamburger without mayonnaise to me is strange because I like the ketchup and mayonnaise flavor mixed together. Is that a regional thing? Is it like because I, I, I don't know if we, we'd really get a lot of mayonnaise on like a California cheeseburger. It's a Whopper like thing. A- I don't know. Maybe, I don't the, know. The Whopper comes with mayonnaise. Oh, it does. Yeah. And I like that, that flavor combo, the ketchup. Yeah, and, and mayo. I guess like the special sauce that people include on anything is always some sort of mayo. It's always just like a fancier mayo. Aioli. Aioli is mayonnaise. Whenever yeah. people are like, you know, mayonnaise gross. I'll have the dill aioli. I'm like, that is mayonnaise. You just got is, dill mayonnaise. It's easy. It's the whitest sauce you can possibly say. It's easy to kind of call it the Karen of sauces. I think that's so unfair. I do. I, I, the, the, like the internet dunking where that we've just decided to like ascribe certain things, like where they're like mayonnaise that's for white people. I'm like, do non-white people not use mayonnaise? Cause this, I thought that was like, kind of just like a, we're, we're, we're racially assigning condiments now. I'm honestly loving the passion for your mayonnaise discourse. Well, it was like when Hillary was like, uh, I carry hot sauce in my purse and everyone's like, now she's trying to act black. I'm like, I love hot sauce and I carry it with me sometimes. Yeah, I, like, I thought that was just, I used to be part of like a hot sauce the month sort of like box yes. subscription service. I love, I love Frank's Red Hot is improves literally everything. It really does. I've, 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 I've put that in a lot of stuff. I've also, uh, Instagram sold me on like a container of um, Szechuan chili crisp. Okay. It's like, this, like delicious, like been, chili, I've, like spicy chili. You've probably seen it on Instagram. I've seen the ads, yeah. Yeah, I bought one because it's like, oh, it's only like 10 bucks. I've been putting that shit in everything. That it was, is so, it is way better than it has any right to be. I think that was the Frank's, Frank's, their slogan was, I put that shit on everything. It was either Frank's or it Tabasco. Works. But like, yeah, I like a, I like a vinegary hot sauce. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm not a big Tabasco fan. I don't like things where the flavor is heat. No, I like, I'm the same way. I like, I really like vinegar and things as well. My, um... My friend's grandmother is from from uh, South Carolina, and she'll make like a good South Carolina pulled pork, which is just like the the the, the pulled pork that's just been simmering in like vinegar for like two days. Cooking. It's this is the second episode in a row we've talked about Carolina barbecue because we did we best. did last the the last episode with uh, Danny Palumbo uh, two weeks ago. We were talking about about all the different uh, all the different barbecues across the country. What's your what was what's your favorite meal? Like, what are the things where you're like, this is what I want to eat on, like, 
the the last is if, if it was going to be your last meal what would you have I, I consume so much pizza i'm such trash i consume so much pizza that's not trash um, pizza's amazing yeah my my favorite pizza places in la are um keeping on brand but absolutely the best like one of my favorite pizzas is lucifer's pizza lucifer's mm-hmm. damn good pizza which is on they have several locations yeah. now in the hollywood area and in sherman oaks um their pizza is amazing uh pit fire in north hollywood has incredible pizza they have one that um, has uh sausage and hot honey on it and it oh, is the hot honey i'm i'm sold on it i, I got that last time it I, also has like bee pollen like crazy shit i am a fan of hot honey and i wouldn't have i used to like I used to like my savory, savory, and my sweet, sweet. And the addition of hot honey onto a savory pizza is, to me, one of my favorite things. It's so f***ing good. Yeah, I only tried it. It just became a thing recently that they've, been, they've started doing, and I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I also, you know, the thing I, I missed so much from the pandemic shutting it down was I used to go into Dino's for a slice. I used, to go into, go, I used to go to Dino's and get like either a pepperoni or they had a really good slice of the day there. And I'd go there on a Wednesday when I get my comic books from House of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Get my comic books. Shout out to House of Secrets. Shout out to House of Secrets. I spend so much money That's there. My, we bump into each other there sometimes. You and I have, have bumped into each other on a Wednesday at House of Secrets in Burbank. I'll go there, get my comics and, and hang out with Leland. Who's one of my one of my close friends working Le- at the Leland, shop? Leland's my dude. Leland's yeah. my f-ing dealer. He, you know, it's like last time. He he always he knows my characters, so he's like he will always even if I don't ask for it. It's like this will have like magic or domino or something like that on the cover, and we'll put that aside for me because he knows I'm gonna want it. This- I, I I like missed. I I missed my pulls for like a month or so because I was shooting. So I got back there. Threw like 110 bucks down on comics. It's like, it's like I have not, I do not have enough time to read all of these. This is one of the examples of why it's so important to support local comic shops. If you are a comic book uh, person, for one, they are small independent businesses. They are not Amazon. Um, but for two, th- uh, they will also usually give you a comparable discount than if you were buying stuff on Amazon. And three, they will they will hold stuff aside for you generally if they think that you might not know like say you're obsessed with deadpool for example and deadpool makes an appearance in ghost rider they might hold your the ghost rider because they were like well i didn't know if you'd want this so we pulled one aside just in case like that's not something that amazon's gonna do well no i mean it's like you know I, I didn't have time to go in and like mark everything for like the X-Men Hellfire Gala, for mm-hmm. instance, that just happened. But he knows I want, he knows I want all of that. Mm-hmm. I want everything that's in that line. So like, I didn't need to tell Leland that I want everything related to Hellfire Gala. He's going to pull those for me because he knows I'll be upset if like I have yeah. the main titles, but like the offshoots, like Way of X, I didn't mark yet. Like he knows I'm, I'm going to want to read that. I, I do love, I love having like somebody at a local comic shop, and especially when your shop is run by somebody really great, um, like Paul and Leland. There. Uh, side note: the the pl- the pizza place that you were talking about, Dino's, and I know that this is very localized, and that 99% of the people listening don't know, but Dino's was on my block, and. I used to have to walk past Dino's to go to my boxing gym and that was torture <laughs> because there's nothing. Cause I do, uh, when I work out, I work out fasted or else I get sick. Um, I can't work out after eating. So I would usually go to classes sometimes at noon without having eaten anything. And I'd have to walk past a pizza place 
that just smells so amazing. So, so I have the opposite problem. This is about starting to do a fitness thing. My I roommate does the, the same thing. Yeah, she's yeah. she's with you. I'm I'm having the opposite issue right now because I am I've started working out heavily because I've now for the first time in my life put on weights. I've now like, you know, my, I, I've now have like a healthy body weight, you know, due to the hormones and body chemistry changing and stuff like that. But, you know, you remember when you met me, I, I'm known for playing these creatures because I am like rail thin, you know, oh, where I was extremely lanky, but all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm like, I weigh 20 pounds more than I did um, a year ago. But the thing was, is that I was like 20 pounds underweight a year ago. So it's like now evened out to something that's healthy and I can work with. But the thing that I am missing out on is I will work out and feel really good. And then have to remind myself, it's like, I burned a lot of calories and I'm not used to taking those in. So it's like, I'm now like taking myself out to like, I need to go eat an entire pizza right now because oh, you. burned in so calories. That, that is an interesting thing. Like it's, it's wild that we're both, we're both human beings. We are both uh, the same animal. And yet our, our bodies are so drastically different where you, you burn so fast and, and, you know, your body, your metabolism and stuff like that. Whereas for me, I will, uh, I would gain, I gain weight very fast. So if I do, if I did that, like if I eat heavily, it's visible on me almost immediately. It's yeah, it's it, it, the other thing is it, it burns in different ways for me too. I'm I'm extremely high energy. I'm very very high energy. That we and, are similar on. Yeah. So you know when I'm when I was like on set yesterday, you know it's it's burning up outside. We're in an area that's surrounded by like a lot of you know a lot of dirt flying around and stuff like that. You know, I have my trailer that I could be hanging out in and just cooling off in, but I'm walking around set. I'm like, they actually have to tell me it's just like, we know you want to watch things, you want to walk around, but we kind of need you to go to your trailer because I want to keep moving. I want to yeah. be continuously, constantly moving. Mm -hmm. And I end up meeting everybody on set and hanging out with everybody on set because I'm not shooting. I'm just constantly going because anything I'm taking in is just burning into massive amounts of energy the 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 other part of that that you might have too is stopping is torture because once you stop it's hard to get started again like, yeah that like, is i i have an accountability buddy now like my friend genevieve um who's uh she's a cosplayer as well who who does who does acting work um she and i started like this like the chloe ting programs together so we can do them from home during COVID and just text each other throughout the process. We'll start at the same time. We'll text each other throughout it, but that allows us to keep accountability with each other. And when I didn't have her for a week, it was hard for me to start again. I, I needed to have like that accountability to know that I need to do this or else like my friends can be like, why aren't you doing it with me right now? And vice versa. So it, it, I, I was really happy to get into a routine with that because once that routine is sort of interrupted, I'm afraid of falling into that. I could just play games on my phone all day and see how that burns calories. What's wild is accountability is for me, it's only my accountability to myself. And that's because of how I grew up because I grew up so heavy. Uh, and I, it wasn't until I motivated myself to fix the problem that I actually, and for me, weight was a problem. Uh, for some people, it's not. But for me, it was. I did not like where I was uh, physically, the health, the body image. It's fine.
Um, pushing through that, though, like for me, it's very intrinsically motivated. Uh, and yeah, for you, it, it's you said it's extrinsically motivated. You you got to have somebody there to like be like, get your ass moving. Yeah, at least to really get me started. But I'm also just enjoying the fact that I have a little bit more control over my own health. It's um, so important, man. That's that's what I've also, you know, uh, one thing that a lot of people who don't, you know, people have different experiences with it, but I'm so much healthier now since medically transitioning than I ever was before. I'm so happy like not for you. Like not just mentally, but physically, you know, the, the weight I put on allowed me to build up muscle, build up strength and... I have way more physical energy during the day now and I can do stuff with that. I can decide to let it go to shit, or I can take control of it and actually like start actually putting it into my body and doing what I want with my body. Now, before I was just continuously lanky thin and no matter what I ate, couldn't put on any weight, but it wasn't a flattering thing because I was continuously cast as corpses. So, you know, it's like I was, I was very, almost like 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 very sickly looking thin for the longest time before I went on like you know went on what I'm on right now and I didn't really have a lot of confidence in it because it was it was good for character types that are supposed to look sickly thin which works when you're on set and shooting but the rest of the time you're just this sickly thin person yeah I mean I get that it's it's the other thing too is like I think a lot of people misunderstand body positivity and they think that like a, a health journey is almost in the way sort of like a, an affront. I've, I've had it where people are like, you know, some of us don't feel the need to do that. And it's like, well, that's fine. But like body positivity shouldn't ignore health, yeah, which I think absolutely. is important. Like, you, I, I, of course, you should be body positive. I think that's very important to love the person that you are. I don't think you should that one should neglect their health under the guise of being positive about their body because you're you're negatively affecting your body if you are not working in a way to to the best of your ability to be healthy and to you owe yourself i think that that health and and body and bot like healthy bodies come in so many different types like just so many different forms it's like you know there was a you know like a lot of bags and gave lizzo like body shaming lizzo when you know she would be out there performing and stuff like that and i'm like None of you can physically do what she yeah, does. Yeah, she works her None ass off. None of you can tour the way she does and run around on stage singing, playing instruments. It's just like, you cannot tell me that she is not healthy. She is extremely healthy. Mm -hmm. She just has a different type of healthy body. And the healthy body that you're like envisioning in your head is not necessarily always healthy. It doesn't really exist. The, you know, the, the that, one that, that, that yeah. Yeah, you know, I was not what I had before was like, Oh, I wish I had your, you know, people would be like, Oh, you're so, you're so tall and slender. I wish I had your body type. And I'm like, I wasn't healthy. Yeah. It's like, I didn't feel healthy. I didn't, I didn't feel good. You know, all the time I felt kind of constantly fatigued, you know, now I'm like, I'm not underweight. I'm at like a good healthy weight. Now it's still in the, it's still thinner, but it's, it's now like a healthy BMI, even though the BMI is kind of bull BMI's, um, BMI does not take muscle into consideration. And I, I tell this to people a lot. Like, do not do not pay too close attention to BMI. No, because I'm, I'm getting my measurements taken every three months just to, like, kind of keep track of things. Mm -hmm. And I have, I have shrunk in areas in which I am, like, thinner in some areas but heavier. 
So it's like, I'm building longer muscle and like building things differently now. But, yeah, you, are. you know, I, I want to like, you know, body positivity is something extremely important to me because not, you know, not just for like, you know, the queer community and like the trans community and stuff, because there's a lot of expectations on what you're supposed to look like and, you know, all that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important to realize that there is a massive diversity in health. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and there should not be any single standard that you hold yourself up against, you know, your results are going to vary yours, you know, what if you, you, you know, people who do and eat the same exact thing as somebody else is going to get healthier if like, you know, they're on a healthy path, but they're not necessarily going to look exactly like that. No. And, and I think that's important too. And I think it's important to know the difference. Because I've been, I when body positivity first came out, I, I I was a little bit concerned, and I do maintain that that people will find that as a replacement for healthy living, which is I don't think the core of what body positivity is about, and and I feel like I'm not in a position to say anything to anybody. I mean, it's not my position to ever comment on anybody else's body uh, in that regard, like because other people's, but like being like, hey, just. Remember, body positivity is about loving the body that you treat well. Make, you know, be good to yourself, I think, is is the central core of body positivity. Yeah, abso- absolutely. Don't don't also, like, be a miserable person that, like, puts themselves through constant misery to achieve a body type or, or whatever. It's just, like, be fucking happy with whatever body you have. Exactly. And, you I mean, know, first off, for me, no. Thing. I'm not going to do that. I've hated my body for my whole life. I'm not going to start liking it now. But like I no, but I do have like a weird body because I have like big, thick legs and like kind of a big ass, but also like a very small waist. So I have this like I have like a shapely lower torso (laughs) and it's just weird. I tried buying jeans from from like the Levi's website and they were like that. Your size is not real because I put in because I have a 34 inch inseam, but like my waist is like a 30 inch. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm continuously getting used to how my body has changed dramatically oh, right? in different ways. I have things that weren't there a year ago. So, you know, it's like I'm getting used to my my whole balance changing and figuring out how that works for somebody who's also six foot one. Yeah. So and I'm excited I'm, for you, by the way, for, for all of the stuff that's coming up on the horizon for you. Uh, I know you've got you've got uh, cool medical coming your way and, and yeah no i'm i'm still you know i'm i'm getting on like the last of fighting for um fighting for my like insurance coverage yeah. and everything like this but you know i'm getting i'm going under facial feminization surgery and less than a month about four weeks from now yeah i've been on the waiting list a long time for that um it isn't like it isn't so extensive that it's going to be like a you know i'm changing my identity i'm going to disappear and become a different person like i'm still going to look like me but it's going to be those subtle things that are very subtle to other people, but are very loud and very troublesome to me oh. and always have been. May I ask what, what some of those things are? Because um, you, 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 you are very feminine. Uh, so, like, I'm wondering, because uh, I'm yeah, like, well, what, 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 what that you don't already. There, there's a, a tracheal shape, for instance. I have, okay. very, I have like a very pronounced like Adam's apple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've given less of a f- about it in like recent times these were you know you probably noticed when we would go when we used to like go out and stuff like that and like go to the movies and stuff i always wore a collar i always wore like a big black band yeah. collar on my throat because i was so insecure about that well um, are you afraid that that's going to affect your voice it doesn't okay i wish right. it i wish it did 
I wish it did, but no, it is it is the easiest process to go through. Um, there's some things I'm I'm getting done to my nose, things that are related to fat grafting and things like that that are just softening out things that aren't going to change. My oh, face okay. has changed a lot. Um, it is so much rounder than it used to be. I used to be much gaunter than I am now, but there's certain areas in which fat has a much more difficult time of finding its way to. So in general, it's just going to be things that are going to soften out features. Um, I'm getting a little bit of stuff done to my hairline. And, you know, there, there's just like these little small things. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I've been so happy because I'm just like, I know that once I get those things done, they're very minuscule things. Otherwise, I'm very happy with how I look. And I'm very lucky with that. I'm very privileged as well that I'm as happy with how I am now with just the hormones and that the extra stuff I'm getting done is just like, these are the last little bits. These are the last little touches. Um, transition looks different for everybody. That's mm -hmm. the other thing that people don't realize. They think they jump to a lot of, you know, when they think like surgeries and stuff like that, they'll immediately jump to like gender confirmation surgery, which is bottom surgery, like mm -hmm. just genitals, they'll just immediately jump to like that being a surgery. But that's not necessarily important to everybody. And that's not necessarily like yeah. the first thing you jump. It's not, to. well, that's not the first thing you see on a person too. So some well, people might want that presentation first of, of, you know, appearing the way that they actually are, as opposed well, a, to be like, a very look what trans I got. Yeah. Well, in a very transphobic society, that is the first thing people jump to. It is that's actually wild. the only thing most, it's the most, only thing that most insurance companies write in there that they cover. Everything else has to be fought for. Like wow. everything regarding my FFS had to be fought for because they consider it strictly cosmetic versus a medically necessary part of gender transition. So, you know, that is like, you know, when we get into these conversations about like trans people in bathrooms and stuff like that, they're always talking about genitals. They're always talking about like genital inspections on kids in like these Southern states to make sure that it's like they're the right born sex to play the sports they identify as wanting to play you know it's wild man that's always what it comes down to and i think they thankfully things are starting to change but a big thing that um mainstream culture needs to really understand is that gender is such a wide spectrum i'm kind of a believer that you know as far as like you know binary non-binary a binary is impossible there's no such thing as a binary gender because that kind of implies the idea that every cis man dresses and acts exactly the same to express their masculinity and every cis woman acts and dresses exactly the same. Like there are so many varieties of different ways to express yourself oh, yeah. and different ways to feel comfortable with yourself. And, you know, a, a variety of a hundred different types of cis men can look completely different from each other and feel confident in the way they look and society will treat them as male presenting people. So transition for trans people is going to be different for each individual person and needs to be looked at from an individual case by case basis, a case by case basis. Yeah. This has been, I uh, thank you for this information, by the way, because I, I really, as much as I, uh, as progressive as I believe I am, I, I certainly always am learning more things. And uh, it is very important to me, both as a friend and also a family member uh, of a member of the trans community, that that it is important for me to, you know, be an ally and make sure um, that I know and understand more about that. And I'm sure, I guarantee you, the listeners are also very grateful for this information as well. So well, I like you. I like doing it because you know the the truth is, especially as I'm like going to these sets and stuff. You know, I 
I've been working professionally in the industry for about eight years now, where I've been on major sets, I've been on major productions. I hate to say this, I have not worked with a single transgender person on set. Yeah, that you've known of, right? So what that means is, is that for everyone else who's on set with me, the people who are working closely with me, everyone from the other people in, you know, the, the other people in production, transpo, gaffers, everyone who's on set, I'm the first transgender person they're meeting, yeah. that they're really meeting for most of them, especially if they're older, especially if they're yeah. like, they've been- It's in like an old grip or something like that, you know? Well, yeah, the- I mean, you know, I, I talk with like my techs, you know, my creature techs, and they're, they're, they're old, you know, they're, they're, they're- Usually they're old hippies, old, usually, right? Guys, yeah. Tech guys, yeah, and they're awesome, and I love them, but when they have conversations with me, I do take into consideration that this is the first conversation they've ever had with a transgender person. And, you know, people I've worked with on set who I love, who are close friends of mine, who I've worked with for years, who I've known for years, people whose shows I've been on, I'm understanding that they may have met a trans person before, but they haven't known one. Exactly. They they haven't been friends with one. They don't have a a past or an experience with one. So the idea of like trans issues and knowing more about them and becoming more aware of this, it's never come up. You know, and 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 we're never going to move along as a society. Things are never going to get better until more people can say they knew one, they yeah. know a transgender person on a personal basis, and have had a conversation with them. Well, uh, the friends of mine that I have, and the family members, of course, that uh, are members of the trans community, have all been amazing because uh, all my friends are great. Because I have cool friends. If Hence the name. I know, right? Do you see what I did there? Uh, For those of you that want to follow Morgana, you can go to at Ignis Twote, T-W-O-T-E on Twitter and at Ignis Graham on Instagram. Uh, I implore you to watch Stand Against Evil on Hulu, Hell of a Boss on YouTube, Earth to Ned on Disney Plus and The Curious Creations of Christine McConnell on Netflix. Morgana, are there? I feel like I'm I'm collecting like Thanos rings of different streaming services. As I was writing these down when I was doing my research, I was like, you're on all of them. I'm like, (laughs) don't forget to check her out on the ESPN zone. Uh, yeah, that's the next step for me, for sure. But um, uh, what is there? Did I, is there anything I didn't cover on that? Uh, uh, what I just said of what, what you would like to point people towards? Oh man, I wish I could talk about more more stuff. But uh, just follow me on my follow me on my social media. I'm on there way too much during the day. It's so a problem. See more yeah. of my stuff on there. I'm going to be out of conventions again. I can't wait to do conventions again. I am like basically anytime I'm not working and shooting something, I'm prepping cosplays and prepping stuff at these conventions. So follow me on there. Um, track me down at these conventions and say hello to me because I love meeting new people. Uh, and uh, I will say that uh, Morgan is an excellent person to add into your Rolodex of cool friends. Uh, Morgana, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. This is wonderful. And of course, thank you to the listeners. If you are a patron, thank you so very much. I appreciate your ears and money more than you could possibly imagine. If you are listening to free on any of the one places where you can listen to free and you want to get these episodes a week early and uncensored, head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff May. Uh, just five bucks a month you can get these. Uh, not only is this show going up uh, early, uh, but I also have a new show that I'm creating um, born of uh, something that I've uh, a recent obsession with. I kind of don't want to spoil it, but um, welcome to the next level uh, where it's going to be some good stuff coming. So thank you all for listening. Morgana, thanks again for being with me. 
You are all the best. Thank you. Bye. artwork is created by Justin T. Brown, who can be found at Artness by Justin Brown on Instagram, as well as artnessbyjustinbrown.com. That dope music you heard is by Troy Nababon, available at Troy Nababon on Instagram, as well as at troynababon.com. Nababon is spelled N-A-B-A-B-A-N, and boy, does that shred. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next time.